You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Morning again, ladies and gentlemen. We'll proceed to the second half of this consolidated proceeding. Perry versus Hollingsworth. Perry and city and county of San Francisco versus Hollingsworth. Good morning again, Mr. Cooper. And good morning again to you as well, uh, Your Honor. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. Every politician was taking a donation from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Fellow Americans, it's time, it's time to speak out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. When we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. But their children were saved. And their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public public Access Access America. America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. The people of California and Americans throughout the country are engaged in an earnest and profound debate about the meaning, purposes, and definition of marriage. The issue is a a momentous one, for it goes to the very nature of an ancient and ubiquitous social institution that is, in the words of the United States Supreme Court, fundamental to the very existence and survival of the human race. So this court is presented with in in our submission, this fundamental question. And it is whether the definition of marriage, that momentous issue, is one for the people themselves to resolve through the democratic process, as they did in enacting Proposition 8, 
or whether our constitution takes that issue essentially out of their hands and decides it for them, as the plaintiffs, uh, as the plaintiffs argue here. Could the people we of California reinstitute school segregation by a public vote? No, Your Honor. Why not? Well, Your Honor, uh, that, that would be inconsistent. With what? With the United States Constitution. As interpreted uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes, yes. Yes, Your Honor. And so the issue But they probably could have done that in 1870 or 80 or 90, right? Uh, very possibly, Your Honor. Yes, very possibly. Uh, how's this different? Your Honor, this, this, is, this is nothing like the, uh, the, for example, the racial restrictions at issue in Loving, uh, where um, there is simply no legitimate rational basis whatsoever on any purpose of marriage that one could possibly conceive to deny the right of a mixed-race couple uh, to marry uh, on, on, every, on every basis on which uh, uh, one can identify a purpose of marriage, a mixed-race couple satisfied those uh, purposes. Uh, and the, and the, so the question is... Now you, you suggest that Baker would mandate that the state has an absolute right to prescribe the conditions upon which the marriage relationship between its own citizens should be created, correct? Not an absolute right, Your Honor. I, we we uh, agree that that right is is uh, limited by uh, the uh, whatever restrictions the United States Constitution may place on it. Okay, we, so then Loving v versus Virginia falls right into that restriction. Directly, Your Honor, and the, and the Supreme Court in Loving said that the racial restriction violated the central meaning of the 14th Amendment, both its due process clause and its equal protection clause. So if I agree with that, then what do I say is the general notion when confronting Turner v. Safely or Safley? Um, the, the, the case uh, dealing with the right of uh, in, the prison warden. inmates right. to, to, to marry. Your Honor, the, the 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 central, I guess, point that uh, we, we want to a, a, advance here is this: What is the distinguishing characteristics of opposite-sex couples that are relevant to interests that the state has has authority to implement? Are you are, arguing to me that it's enough for a rational basis for the, for the federal court to get involved in that right of marriage? Uh, I, I, we are arguing that the test that applies here is a rational basis a test, and that if there is any rational basis for the opposite sex, uh, uh, the opposite sex traditional definition of marriage, then that traditional definition of marriage uh, must be upheld. And only if this court concludes that there is nothing to say in favor 
of that of the definition of marriage that has prevailed in this country and in all places essentially at all times since time immemorial there's nothing to say in defense of it there's no rational basis for it then this court would have to strike it down but but that is the that is the test that we submit to you that that applies your honor and we believe that there is clearly a rational basis justifying the traditional definition of marriage the key reason that marriage has existed at all in any society and at any time is that sexual relationships between men and women naturally produce children society has no particular interest in a platonic relationship between a man and a woman no matter how close no matter how committed it may be or emotional relationships between other people as well but when a relationship between a man and a woman becomes a sexual one society immediately has a vital interest in that for two reasons one society needs the creation of new life for the next generation but secondly society is its its vital interests are actually threatened by the possibility that an unintentional and unwanted pregnancy will mean that the child is born out of wedlock and is raised by in all likelihood its mother alone and that directly implicates society's vital interests both in terms of its immediate interests because society will have to step in and assist that single parent in all likelihood that is what usually happens in the raising of that child but as well in the in in the undeniable fact that children raised in that circumstance have poor outcomes that sounds like a good argument for prohibiting divorce but I but how does it relate to having two males or two females marry each other and raise children as they can in California and form a family unit where children have a happy healthy home I don't understand how that argument says we ought to prohibit that your honor the 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 point in the question is whether or not the state of California has a rational reason for drawing a distinction between same-sex couples who cannot without the intervention of a third party of the opposite sex procreate and opposite sex couples who not only can procreate but can do so unintentionally and create unwanted pregnancies that is not a that is not a phenomenon that exists with respect to same-sex couples well the overriding but what is the rational basis for an initiative that when California law really says that homosexual couples have all the rights of marriage all the rights of child-rearing all the rights that others have what is the rational basis then if in fact the homosexual couples have all of the rights 
that the heterosexual couples have. We're left with a word, marriage. What is the rational basis for that? Your Honor, you, you are left with uh, a word, but a word that is essentially the institution. And if you redefine the institution, if you redefine the, the, the word, you, you change the institution. So it is the, the there, you cannot separate, uh, you cannot separate the two. Um, the, the, the name of marriage is effectively the institution. And the issue here is whether it will be redefined, essentially, to be a genderless uh, institution that bears uh, little or very no relationship to the traditional historic purpose of marriage. Why, is which there, is, why aren't the merits of this case controlled by Romer? After all, before the proposition was passed in California, same-sex couples had the right to marry. The proposition takes it away. Isn't that exactly what the proposition in Colorado did? Your Honor, in, 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 in Romer, uh, the, the court was dealing with a sweeping uh, uh, law that placed undifferentiated uh, burdens and disqualifications on homosexuals so if you take across away, the board. So if you take away a bunch of rights, that's bad, but if you just take away one right, it's okay? Your, Your Honor, it isn't a question of, of, of taking them away. The Supreme did Court or did not same-sex couples have the right to marry before the passage of Proposition 8 in California? Your Honor, uh, the California Supreme Court affirmed that they did, yes. And the people of California disagreed with that, and the people of California reversed it. The, How is that different from what happened in Colorado? A few local communities decided that they wanted to extend preferred status to uh, individuals, uh, homosexuals, gays, lesbians, et cetera. Uh, and the voters of Colorado passed a, uh, a proposition saying you cannot do that. You have no right to do that. Stop doing that. Your Honor, Amendment 2 rendered homosexuals strangers to the law. It essentially eliminated uh, any and all protections for homosexuals uh, with respect to the ordinary uh, pursuits of civic life, as the court uh, put it. It was a sweeping, undifferentiating, uh, uh, essentially rendered them uh, an isolated class and strangers uh, to the law altogether. The court stressed that it was an unprecedented in our jurisprudence kind of, uh, kind of statute. The, the traditional definition of marriage, Your Honor, is anything but unprecedented in our jurisprudence. It has existed throughout uh, the history of this country. It, is, it has been, uh, uh, it has been uh, the governing uh, uh, understanding and definition of, of, of uh, marriage in this state since its founding, and, and basically throughout, throughout the country and throughout the world uh, for all time. This, the, the definition of marriage is anything like, is not anything like the kind of statute that the court was dealing with in Romer. And in fact, in, 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 in this case, uh, 
I would submit to you that the question is, your question, uh, Your Honor, is governed by, uh, by the Crawford case, where the court said that, um, that uh, uh, it would refuse to interpret the 14th Amendment, and these are its words, to require the people of a state to, to adhere to a judicial construction of their state constitution when that constitution itself vests final authority in the people. And so, but you've you're, told us that the people of California could not reinstitute racial segregation in public education. So we know there are some things they can't do. They, they, they certainly can't do that. Without flying in the face of the 14th Amendment. The, sure. uh, the Ro uh, Romer case opens with a quotation from Justice Harlan's dissent in Plessy. And here's what Justice Kennedy says. The Constitution neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. Those words now are understood to state a commitment to the law's neutrality where the rights of persons are at stake. Aren't you flying right in the face of that? Your Honor, if there are no reasons, no rational reasons to distinguish between citizens, then, uh, then the Constitution does not permit the law to distinguish between them and treat them differently. The, if the, there proponents is a, of the proponents of the uh, ballot initiative in Colorado made the perfectly logical argument that all they were doing was leveling the playing field. And Justice Kennedy said, that's not right. That's and it, not correct. And, and Your Honor, it wasn't right. Uh, they, they were doing much more than that. They were, ex, they were essentially opening uh, uh, gays and lesbians to private and public discrimination and, and disabling any uh, governmental body from intervening in, in, in that private discrimination. Uh, as Justice Kennedy uh, uh, emphasized, uh, in, in a common, every ordinary uh, day civic life, from banking to hospitals to hotels to common carriers, all the ordinary pursuits of civic life homosexuals were rendered strangers to the law. They could be discriminated against uh, in these fashions. That is a far, far more sweeping and different thing than simply adhering to the, the definition of marriage that has prevailed in California and everywhere else since time immemorial. Uh, the, the, and, and again, the, the question comes down to to this, are there distinguishing characteristics relevant to an interest that the state has authority to implement at work uh, in, in, the in the opposite sex definition of marriage? And, and if there are, then the courts cannot say that uh, acting upon those distinguishing uh, characteristics is invidiously discriminatory. Let me so ask you that's, a question. That's, the issue. that's a terrific response. Uh, let me ask you a question that's m meant entirely to be neutral. Uh, is it the preference of the proponents, let's assume for the moment that we conclude you have standing and you're here to argue, you're properly here and argue to uh, defend the proposition? I accept that assumption, certainly. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you want us uh, to get to the merits of the issue here, 
Um, in other words, do you want us to sidestep Baker? No, not at all. And uh, Your Honor, I believe that Baker, Baker is binding on this court. And uh, uh, I, my, my opening uh, legal point uh, would have been that, um, that in fact this is not the first court to take up and deal with the very 14th Amendment issues that the plaintiffs bring here today. In fact, there have been eight appellate courts, state and federal, who, who have addressed these issues and insofar as they relate to challenges to traditional marriage laws just like Proposition 8, and all eight of those courts have upheld the traditional marriage laws and have rejected the 14th Amendment claims. And one of those cases, Your Honor, is Baker against Nelson, a Supreme Court case that we submit is, uh, remains a good law, remains binding on, on this court. Um, and, uh, well, there are some differences. It was before <coughs> Romer and Lawrence, and it didn't deal with the subject of repealing a constitutional right uh, that, was, that existed at the time it was taken away. That, that's a fair point, uh, Judge Reinhart. Uh, the, the, that, it, that is a distinction with respect to, to uh, the issue as it came to the Supreme Court in Baker. There had not been the uh, um, earlier uh, uh, period uh, in which the, California, the, the, the Supreme Court had, had uh, essentially uh, um, legalized same-sex marriage. So that is a fair point. Um, and the, and so the question said, is... The California court, sir, said that's what the Constitution says. It, it said that... Citizens, we have to accept that from that moment forward. It was not a matter of pulling rabbits out of a hat or something like that. They said this is what the Constitution says. Your Honor, um, that, that's, that's fair enough. They said this is what the state Constitution says. But under the California system... It is the people themselves who retain all the sovereign political governmental power, and they are free to review that decision, to disagree with it, and reverse it. And that's what they did in Proposition 8. And so, Your Honor, we would submit to you that the case came to the people of California the same way the case came to the California Supreme Court on review from a decision from the California Court of Appeals, a lower tribunal. And the California uh, uh, electorate disagreed uh, respectfully with the, their, their Supreme Court and a, a five, uh, excuse me, a 4-3 decision, and they reversed it. In the Crawford case, I would submit to you, uh, uh, Judge Hawkins, is on the point of this. Uh, that was another case where uh, the California courts had interpreted uh, uh, the California Constitution, I believe it was, <laughs> uh, the California Constitution that they had interpreted to go beyond what the federal Constitution requires. And the people of California decided we're going to bring it back to the, to the place that is required by the federal Constitution. And the court said in a, in, 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 in a state like California where the people retain uh, the ultimate power of the government. Well, of course, generally, you can amend the Constitution. That, that's true. It depends on the subject. Uh, 
and what you're amending, and I think that's what Judge Hawkins was talking about earlier, uh, what is it that you are amending and can you amend that? Uh, nobody would suggest that you can't amend the California Constitution, uh, no matter how the court had interpreted as a general rule. The, the question is, can you amend something as, I'm not suggesting it's a fundamental right for purposes of this discussion, but is there a uh, valid reason to amend this Constitution under the standard that, that we follow? Well, uh, Your Honor, I believe that uh, the point of Crawford is that uh, the, the people are free, essentially, to disagree and reverse their, their well, constitution. Well, not anything, as Judge Hawkins was pointing out. You can't say, he asked you, I think, twice, could you say we're going to have segregated education? Uh, we couldn't say yes to that. No, uh, Your Honor, but that's because the federal constitution would have outlawed that quite apart from whatever the California Supreme Court had to say about it. And, 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 uh, uh, um, and, and, and so it wouldn't matter if the people did that before a California Supreme Court decision or after a California Supreme Court decision. If the California uh, Constitution had provided that uh, that there will be, you know, racial segregation, as you as you suggest, in in connection with with schools, uh, the 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 uh, federal constitution would outlaw that, and it wouldn't matter whether there had been an intervening Supreme Court decision from California also outlawing it. Uh, the, the, the point really is, is simply this. If, if uh, Proposition 8 had been enacted before the California Supreme Court uh, ultimately invalidated traditional marriage, if it had been enacted before that, the, the constitutional case that would come to you is, this, is the same as it is coming to you now uh, with Proposition 8 having been enacted to reverse the California Supreme Court. Because under Crawford, the people of California retain the authority to reverse their Supreme Court unless the federal constitution is violated then and there by what they did. So, If you're taking away a right from a particular class uh, without sufficient reason, let's just say using a, a, the standard, uh, without any reasonable reason. And it's done for a reason that could only be uh, directed at a class uh, in, in a manner that is, uh, I don't want to say invidious, but uh, it, in a biased manner. Uh, and that's, you can sometimes derive that view of bias from the action in itself, uh, then you cannot do it. And here, you have to take into account all of the circumstances that Judge Smith mentioned, for instance. You have had all of the aspects of marriage other than the title. Uh, <clears throat> what is the reason for wanting to take that title away from a group of people who have enjoyed it? Uh, that, that's where I think you get to the constitutional question. 
Well, Your Honor, uh, and our submission to you is that the uh, people of California needed no reason beyond the fact that they disagreed that their constitution uh, ordained that result, that their constitution well, outlawed and invalidated the traditional definition of marriage. Of Rome, why isn't that true of Romer also, then? I, I beg your pardon? Why isn't that true of Romer? The people of Colorado decided that they wanted to do this, uh, and that's what they wanted. That's the way the people of California did. But that there is a limit on that. And it doesn't have to be in the federal constitution, except that there has to be a rational basis for it, and it can't be related to bias. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, that, that is true. And so if Proposition 8 was coming to you without there having been this previous period in which uh, California had approved of same-sex marriage, it would come to you in the same constitutional profile that it comes to you now. I guess our point is it, it isn't changed because there has been this previous period where the California Supreme Court has uh, interpreted the California Constitution to invalidate traditional that, marriage. That's, that's an interesting question, I think, in this case. Would it really be the same if the state did not go as far as California had gone? Uh, would they be required to go that far? Uh, or is it different when you're taking something away? Uh, I mean, that you can argue that there's no difference. And uh, I, I'm not sure that's a settled question. Well, but I, but I, I would think that the other side, and I know the city of San Francisco particularly did, uh, say it's different when you're taking it away than when you're not giving. Well, and, and uh, Your Honor, I, I am not, uh, I don't deny that there is, 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 is some force to, to that proposition, but I, I do uh, commend to you the Crawford case, which we think does uh, support uh, the proposition that the, the people, it, it's, they, they act if, if, if the California Court of Appeals had invalidated traditional marriage and the California Supreme Court had reversed that and said, no, our Constitution doesn't do that, no one would say that during the interim uh, that that right had existed and the California Supreme Court had stripped the, the people of California of it. And what, what we are submitting to you, and we believe the Crawford case supports, is that the people themselves are a tribunal over their constitution standing in those types of shoes. Could but the, I do could credit. The, could the people of uh, California suppose Proposition 8, in addition to addressing the subject of marriage, had done what in part the proposition in Romer did, which was to disallow civil unions? Would you have the same response? Would you have the same argument? Uh, Your Honor, I, I, I believe that the argument I'm making here would be the same, but I do recognize that the argument for the constitutionality of, of uh, a proposition that, that uh, accomplished that result, or perhaps I should put it 
the constitutionality of that result would be on different footing than Proposition 8 itself well, comes to like you in. It's you're a little uncertain if they had added civil unions. What if they had said, uh, uh, we don't want hospitals allowing visitation of dying loved ones by same-sex partners? Could they? And they added that to the proposition. Would that put it on shakier grounds? Uh, this proposition I'm advancing now, no. The, the, the point being that any time a state goes beyond, and here I am assuming that this would go beyond what the federal constitution demands, and if it goes beyond what the federal constitution demands, then the people are free, according to the specific language of Crawford, having gone beyond the requirements of the federal constitution, a state is free to return to the standard prevailing generally throughout the United States. So do I so, understand you to be saying if the proposition had simply done away with civil unions, you'd, uh, Crawford would say that's okay? If it had simply done if away the Proposition with, 8 had simply been addressed to doing a, disallowing civil unions, which as I understand it are allowed under California law, if that's all yes, the proposition are. had said, Crawford would say that's okay. Yes, Your Honor, to the extent that civil unions are not required by the federal constitution. Yes. What does that mean, to the extent that? Does that mean they could take it away or they couldn't take it away? They would be able to take it away, Your Honor, uh, unless it, the federal constitution itself requires the states to afford civil unions to gays and lesbians. And that well, how is does that a differ from Romer? Uh, they took things away in Romer that aren't required by the federal constitution. So there's more to it than your answer. Well, no, Your Honor, uh, I, I don't believe that, uh, that the things that uh, uh, were put in place in Romer, in fact, I think Justice Kennedy said this wasn't just a repeal of the uh, of the provisions uh, that had been enacted in Denver and other municipalities. And, if, and, and he suggested if that's all it had been, it would not have been constitutionally objectionable. It went much farther than that, and in going much farther than that, it became constitutionally objectionable. If, it had been I didn't mean for you to stop your sentence. Uh, if I could have permission of the presiding uh, judge here, there are a couple of questions that I am particularly worried about. Some states have not extended domestic partnership rights to homosexuals. Do they have a stronger argument for a rational basis than does California? And I want to ask you that straight out because I'm trying to get you to differentiate your argument. It seems to me that your argument can be made as to rational basis if there weren't all kinds of rights already given to those homosexuals in domestic partnership rights. So I'm asking you straight out, some states haven't done it. Do they have a stronger argument then for rational basis than does California? To, uh, Your Honor, to the contrary, I, I think they do not. I don't think they have as strong as a, an argument. It's, it would be quite perverse 
if the people of California, in enacting uh, and addressing uh, the, the very legitimate interests and needs of gays and lesbians and their families by enacting domestic partnership laws and going as far as a state can do short of redefining marriage and 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 and, and the state uh, insisted in proposition eight that it that it not redefine marriage and that to preserve that institution for the specific purposes that it has always served. A, I, I don't, don't believe a state, uh, Judge Smith, is, has weakened its constitutional position when it goes as far as it can to address the I interests of gays and their families. I guess uh, I'm, my worry is, and this is what I'm really worried about in your particular situation if I adopt your argument, is that I'm trying to find the rational basis in this particular situation. When California has gone as far as it has, what is the rational basis that we really have? I'm wondering if it's just not to maybe market the marriage of a man and a woman. Your Honor, or promote a special relationship in society. Is that enough to meet the rational basis? Your Honor, I, I believe it's to preserve the institution of marriage uh, for the purposes that it has always served, the unique uh, purposes that flow from the unique uh, interests that society has uh, that in turn flow from the unique procreative, uh, natural procreative capacities of men and women. Uh, the, the courts that have upheld uh, uh, traditional definition of marriage have uniformly noted that it is entirely rational for, in fact, the Eighth Circuit in the Bruning case, dealing with a proposition uh, in, from Nebraska that contained identical language to, to Proposition 8 that it was entirely rational for the people in that state to confer uh, and retain the inducements and benefits of the institution of marriage for opposite sex couples who can procreate and including procreate unintentionally, creating unwanted pregnancies that threaten society's interests and not extend, not extend marriage to same-sex couples who, who simply don't represent that same societal interest. They, they, the, 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 the interests of society that are vitally implicated by sexual relationships between opposite-sex couples are simply not implicated in the same way. My, Time is, is, yes, is well past. I had to tell you, but I wanted to see if Judge Smith was through with his questions. Well, no? I'll, I'll skip the last question. Thank you. My uh, last question was, do you think this rationale, <laughs> since the judge, the good judge, has given me opportunity, do you think this rationale would satisfy the more searching form of rational basis Justice O'Connor elaborated in Lawrence? Your Honor, if, 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 if this case uh, is to be decided by heightened scrutiny, then, then obviously it is a harder case. Uh, 
but we think it does satisfy heightened scrutiny. Uh, uh, the, the, the essential uh, proposition, Your Honor, being that the, uh, that the, the main objection to, um, to, to the rationale that I've articulated here is that infertile couples are nonetheless allowed to uh, marry. And that is true. No society has ever insisted that marriage produce children. Uh, uh, but, Your Honor, the, the, the question then becomes, how would society uh, draw that line? How would society do that? It would have to have uh, Orwellian uh, uh, or Orwellian measures designed to police fertility uh, before marriage, Orwellian measures designed to presumably annul marriages that are not childless. We just don't think that, and, and those measures would undoubtedly violate the constitutional rights of, of the individuals involved. So we don't think that any less restrictive method could be, uh, uh, as a practical matter, employed, uh, and I, I appreciate the court's indulgence. Thank you, Mr. Cooper. I think he indulged me, and I hope you didn't go too long so that he's aggravated with me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't save any time, but we'll give you two minutes anyway. I appreciate that, Your Honor. May it please the court. My name is Theodore Olson. I'm here on behalf of the plaintiffs. It is important to focus on the fundamental fact that California has engraved discrimination on the basis of sex and sexual orientation into its fundamental governing charter. The label given to Proposition 8 in the official voters pamphlet said it all. It eliminates the right of same-sex couples to marry. This proposition marginalized and stripped over a million gay and lesbian Californians of access to what the Supreme Court of the United States has repeatedly characterized as the most important relation in life. Mr. Mr. Olson, then, you do think there's a difference between taking the right away and not affording it in the first place? Yes, we do, um, uh, Judge Reinhardt. That is what the United States Supreme Court said in a case going back to Reitman versus Mulkey uh, in 1964, where the California citizens acted through this process and took away and, and of rights with respect to discrimination in housing. And that is what the Supreme Court said in Romer versus Colorado, that it does make a difference. Now, I don't think, as an original matter, that it would be constitutional if Congress had enacted Proposition 8 five years ago, before the in-ray marriage cases. But I think it makes it worse, and that's what the United States Supreme Court has said, the taking away of the rights in that context enhances the um, effect of the constitution of the purported constitutional change. Well, what's your answer to uh, the case that, that <clears throat> Mr. Cooper referred to several times? It's the uh, one about the uh, it was, it was the, busing and it, 
other methods of, of bringing diversity to the what, schools. That's the Crawford case. Yes. And what, what the Crawford case did was say that to the extent not required by the Constitution, remedies for the constitutional violations could be restricted by the people of the state of California. But that doesn't change anything. I heard Mr. Cooper mention the Crawford case five times, not once. Um, in anywhere in the Crawford case does it suggest that an initiative measure somehow rises above the 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. And that's certainly what the Reitman case held, and that's certainly what the Roman case Are you case suggesting then that a gay marriage is required by the Constitution of the United States? Uh, what, what is required by the Constitution of the United States is the fundamental right of its citizens to marry. Now, Mr. Cooper defined that as it has always been between a man and a woman. But the United States Supreme Court has never said that. What the United States Supreme Court has said in 14 cases involving the right to marriage, in the context of abortion, in the context of prisoners, in the context of contraception, and in the context of divorce, that the right to marry is an aspect of the right to liberty, privacy, association, and identity. But what I'm trying to find out is, is your argument here uh, in response to Crawford that there is a constitutional right to gay marriage. Uh, do we have to reach that point? Because what you're answering is that they are taking away a constitutional right. And uh, if, if that's your answer, uh, fine. If not, uh, I'd like to know that also. No, I, my answer is that they are taking away a constitutional right given by the state of California, recognized by the state of California. That in and of itself makes Proposition 8 unconstitutional under Romer and Reitman. But I would also say that it is also constitutional, and I would not call it, Judge Reinhardt, gay marriage, or I wouldn't call it single-sex marriage, be any more than the Supreme Court of the United States called it interracial marriage. What the Supreme Court has said 14 times is that it's a right of liberty, association, privacy. You, you can say whatever you want, but uh, in deciding the case, uh, I think we're entitled to know whether your answer uh, to Crawford is that Yes, you can't take away a constitutional right, and this is taking away a constitutional right under the 14th Amendment. Yes. Okay. I would it's also dependent say... On, it's dependent I, on that? Pardon me? It's dependent on our finding that they would be taking away a constitutional... No, no, it is not, because I went on to say that the right to marriage is a right of an individual. And by the way, Mr. Cooper talks in terms of the right of society, society's interest in procreation. It is not society's right. The rights under the Constitution are not the rights of California. They're not the rights of voters of California. They're rights of citizens of the United States under the Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment. And if California could insist that something to do with procreation be engraved onto the right of marriage, it could take that away. It could say, we don't want, we're overpopulated, we don't want procreation, and we'll deny people the right to marry. The, this is not 
This is a fundamental individual right, and what the Supreme Court said, and the reason I'm emphasizing this point, Judge Reinhardt, because if you look at it from the standpoint of a right of two particular individuals, maybe they were Mr. and Mrs. Loving in the Virginia case, of, of an interracial marriage, it was marriage. It was their right to get together, and what the Supreme Court said in the Griswold case, we deal with a right of privacy older than the Bill of Rights. Marriage is a coming together, for better or worse, hopefully enduring and intimate to the degree of being sacred. It is an association that promotes a way of life and so forth. This is from the Griswold case, uh, one Mr. of 14. Uh, Mr. Olson, let me, I'm not trying to express a view on gay marriage or any marriage at this point. I'm trying to find out how far we have to go if we are to uh, accept your view of this case. Certainly, if we start out from the assumption uh, that everybody has entitled to marry everybody else, regardless of sex, regardless of sexual orientation, if we have to d reach that issue, we would. But as you well know, as you argued the Plout case, uh, we are advised not to reach a constitutional question unless we have to. Uh, I was not planning on reaching that question for you this early in the discussion, but it seems to come in relation to how we deal with the Crawford case. And it was for that reason that I was asking you whether in order to distinguish Crawford, you are saying that we uh, it's necessary to take the position uh, that uh, you can only, uh, the only thing you can't take away as, as a state is a right under the 14th Amendment. There's, there seems to me there's two questions in that. How far you have to go in the significance of Crawford. You do not have to go any further than the Romer case requires you to go. The Romer case says taking away the constitutional right of individuals who are homosexuals because of their classification as homosexuals violates the United States Constitution even under a rational basis test. And I would say, if I get a chance to do that, this is the clearest case I can imagine of heightened scrutiny. But in addition to that answer, which I, which I submit, is the answer to your question, how far do we have to go? But the additional answer with respect to the Crawford case is a completely separate thing, it seems to me, because Crawford was saying, yes, the citizens can change non-constitutionally required remedies for constitutional violations. That's different than this. Um, and so for the Crawford case, in my judgment, has nothing to do with this case, and I would be happy to put the Crawford case against the Reitman case, the Romer case, the Loving case, and Lawrence versus Texas. It cannot possibly penetrate the full weight of those four decisions. And, and I guess one additional answer, and I think it's important since I, I, I slipped into mentioning the Lawrence case, the United States Supreme Court has determined that intimate sexual conduct between persons of the same sex is constitutionally protected. And the Supreme Court has said, as I said, marriage is a fundamental right. How can the fundamental right of marriage be taken away by Californians from persons because they're engaged in a constitutionally protected activity? How can the constitutional right 
be taken away because of the constitutionally protected activity. It cannot exist. If you put the Lawrence case together with the marriage cases, loving case, and so on and so forth, you cannot take away that right, which is not a right of same-sex persons. It's a right of all citizens, and it's a right to be with the person that they love, to have an association that they select, to live a life of privacy, to identify themselves as a, a, a self-identification, as Justice Kennedy talked about in both Romer and Lawrence. That right cannot be taken away from individuals in this state because of their sexual orientation. It is discrimination on the basis of sex, and it's discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, and if, if even under rational basis test, the proponents of Proposition 8 cannot come up with a reason. They've tried various, various different reasons throughout the election campaign and this litigation with various different reasons. They started off with the proposition, and it's in the ballot materials, that it was necessary to protect our children from thinking that gay marriage was okay. That was the original rationalization for the statute that was in advertisements, and it's in the particular, it's in the ballot measures submitted to the voters. Protect our children from thinking that gay marriage is okay. Well, what is matter? What is the matter with that? It must be something about gay people that are getting married that would be disturbing to California voters, and you have to take that risk away from them. They, they basically retreated from that proposition, and it only appears on pages 107 and 108 of the, um, of the brief that they filed. And basically, they're now saying that it might, if, if gay marriage were permitted, this is what they say on page 107 or 108, uh, or 109 of their brief, Proposition 8 needs to be enacted because the existence of same-sex marriage will somehow, they don't use the word somehow, will make children prematurely occupied with issues of sexuality. That is nonsense, that you can enact a proposition that walls off the citizens of this state from a fundamental right because you're worried that otherwise children might be prematurely preoccupied with issues of sexuality. That, of course, if that was a justification, it would equally warrant banning comic books, television, video games, and conversations with other children. In it deciding, <laughs> in, in deciding uh, whether rational basis saves this proposition, uh, what do we look to? Well, whether um, I, I, I would. I'm not sure your question is asking me whether it should be rational basis and what would be the justification. Assume it's rational basis. Do we look to the record that was made in district court, or do the cases suggest to us that we imagine whether there is any conceivable rational basis and apply that? It, it has to, uh, the answer is that that is too attenuated, just to imagine something from the sky that someone might conceivably imagine. And the city of Claiborne case and the Romer case makes it clear that, and then Justice Kennedy in decision for the court in Romer case says we must look 
further than that we must look into the reasons and they must make sense and they can't be attenuated and they can't be motivated by fear of people that we don't like or minorities it's got to be more than that and most of all it has to be rational and that's why I was looking through the reasons that they've advanced one is this protect our children and we've seen at least I think it's manifestly clear that that is not a rational basis because you can't do that because basically that's based upon the idea that there's something wrong with these people. We must protect our children from them. That won't work. Suppose, um, and just assume this for the purpose of my question, that we were to conclude that this accidental pregnancy argument is in fact a rational basis. Uh, have uh, the proponents of the proposition or the imperial clerk given up that argument because of the ar arguments they made in the political process leading up to its passage? No, but I think that the court has to look at all of that. In the context, what the court has said, you have to look at the context <laughs> in which the measure was passed. Now, I will say, if I move to that point, this, this concept of rational procreation what there is no way that proposition eight prevents by keeping individuals of the same sex from getting married have anything to do with heterosexual marriage same-sex marriage is not going to discourage heterosexual people from getting married it is not going to keep them from getting divorced it is not going to have any effect at all on their choice about having children on the other hand the elimination of Proposition 8 cannot possibly hurt heteros the heterosexual relationship at all. The, in this case, the evidence was clear uh, from the witnesses in this case that there would be no harm as a result of the elimination of Proposition 8. And Mr. Cooper, quite candidly, when he was asked that question at the summary judgment hearing, repeatedly by the district court, what harm can there be? He said, I don't know. Now, he, what he meant, and I'll let him speak for himself on this, but what he was saying is that we don't know the impact of allowing same-sex marriage um, and how it might affect this very important institution of marriage. Well, it's a very important institution of marriage because it means a great deal to the citizens of this state. You know, it, people in uh, popular election campaigns make all sort of nonsensical arguments. I haven't heard that not to vote for someone <laughs> or to vote for someone. But, you know, my, my point is this, that, that my reading of these cases suggests that this is a matter of what is referred to as legislative facts, that it really matters not what a whole bunch of people might suggest one way or another. This is a sort of a legislative fact thing that we look to. And if, if we can conceive, if it can be conceived and argued, that there's a rational basis to uphold the constitutionality of Prop 8, that satisfies the test. Well, I will have several answers to that. One, this idea of legislative facts means that instead of the witnesses that talked about the history of discrimination, the damage that discrimination has done, the immutable characteristic that we're talking about, people don't choose to become gay. They have a characteristic which, which this court and, and in in the uh, Hernandez case and the California Supreme Court has talked about, in, and with respect to the immutability, if I can have a slight digression, is that all of the plaintiffs and other witnesses in this case and the experts 
and the judge's findings suggested that this is a characteristic that's immutable. And we have all of those reasons why, and the long history of discrimination, which Mr. Cooper stipulated to uh, at the trial, the damage that's done as a result of the discrimination, all of this requires heightened scrutiny. But if you were to go to an, an imagined, at a rational basis standard articulated along the lines that you did, which I don't think is the test. I don't think that's at all consistent with City of Claiborne, and it's not consistent with Romer at all. But if you were to say that, what is if what can we imagine? What conceivable thing can we think of that would justify doing the damage that's being done to our citizens in California? What is it? I don't know what it is. It can't well, be Well, just a minute, maybe I could maybe suggest a couple of things. Do you believe that the idea of distinguishing marriage from domestic partnerships in name only in order to promote it as a, procreate, a vehicle for procreation, responsible procreation, an inclusion of one group promotes legitimate government purpose, all things being equal, children are most likely to thrive when raised by father and mother who brought them into this world, do you believe that that would survive rational basis review? It would be flatly inconsistent with the evidence in this case, number one. Number two, Mr. Well, it's slightly inconsistent with the evidence in this case if you naturally jump to the conclusion that the only evidence in this case is that which the judge has suggested is in the Well, rather than that legislature and then the judge might find if there's evidence for it or against it. But I'm suggesting, now just sit the question. The idea of distinguishing marriage from domestic partnerships in name only to promote it as a vehicle for procreation, all else being equal, children likely to thrive when raised by father and mother who brought them into this world, that it is irrational. Yes. In the first place, Mr. Cooper specifically said just a few moments ago, the name is the institution. Those are his words, virtually verbatim. The name is the institution. And the witnesses at this trial, the witnesses that came forward and were willing to be cross-examined and were willing to testify under oath, not the law review articles and so forth that were put in by the by the proponents, but the witnesses that came forward in this case and the plaintiffs and other witnesses in this case talked about what marriage meant to them and what it means in this society as an institution, not just what the Supreme Court said, but we had what the plaintiffs said, what the experts said, what the Supreme Court said, and what the district court found. And there's nothing that would suggest that, that children thrive in a better way in that environment. In fact, the Plaintiff, the proponent's expert, Mr. Blankenhorn, testified that the children in those relationships would be better off, that we would be a better country, we would be closer to the American ideal if same-sex marriage were permitted. Now, it's easy to say those things, that you have to have a, be you have a better situation where a child is in with, uh, with a mother and a father, but allowing the pr uh, other problem with that is that the, the Remedy doesn't fit the so-called problem. In other words, restricting marriage to 
people of opposite sex doesn't mean that there won't be people in same-sex uh, marriages. That California permits that. And the court, there's, there's something like 37,000 children in same-sex households in California today. There are also 18,000 same-sex marriages which are not at issue in this case. The, 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 it's easy to say that children would be better off in that relationship, but if you have heterosexual relationships permitted in California and um, marriages between persons of the same sex, it doesn't change where the children will be raised. If, if a child is a, is, a, is a product of a biological relationship between a man and a woman, that's up to that man and that woman to keep them together. I think Judge Reinhardt suggested that a, um, a better remedy for that would be prohibit divorce, but that's not something that Californians are interested in doing. Are we uh, free to uh, do, use anything other than the rational basis test in the Ninth Circuit? Oh yes, I, I, I believe very strongly that you are. The, the Hernandez case talks about Im, Im, immutability. Um, the, if, to the extent that you're, that you're referring to um, any other aspect of the, the, uh, uh, the doctrine of uh, heightened standard, I think that has been ventilated, and 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 the issues that would support a require uh, an enhanced heightened scrutiny are all present, and you would be bound by what the Supreme Court has said with respect Witt to that. How about our Witt case? I think I think the Witt case supports exactly what I was just saying. Um, the factual circumstance you argue, factual circumstances are different in Witt and high tech gays, but I guess. Do you have authority that the factual circumstances alone would allow us to make a different holding than a prior three-judge panel? I think that the Hernandez case, which is a subsequent decision, um, has already addresses that issue. And I think the case that Judge Reinhardt uh, focused on involving the federal public defender, I think it was Levinson, also addressed that point. Um, and well, I, it wasn't the case, unfortunately, but it was a, an administrative ruling. Well, um, <laughs> I thought the, the wisdom in that case was superb, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, the, and, the and the reasoning, I think, um, in that I couldn't do a better job in answering the earlier question than the reasoning set forth in writing in that case. Um, and with respect to the Baker case, um, the Supreme Court has made it very clear that when the facts are different, and the, and the precise issue is not the same. Sexual orientation was not presented in that case. That was strictly a gender case, um, not a sexual orientation case. The facts here are different, not just the Romer situation where California has recognized same-sex marriages and then has taken it away, but California has an interesting crazy quilt system of laws in this state with respect to marriage. You, some people may be married because they're heterosexual and some people may not be married because they wish to marry someone of the same sex. Some people who were married to someone of the same sex may stay married, but if they were to get a divorce, they couldn't even remarry the same person. And some persons that are out of state and if their marriage is legal outside the state, then they are recognized in California. We have an irrational system here. And finally, with respect to the Baker case, the doctrinal ground has changed because of the Supreme Court's sex discrimination cases, and it's changed with respect to the Romer case. 
and it's changed with respect to Lawrence versus Texas. What this case comes down to, it seems to me, that California has built a fence around its gay and lesbian citizens. And it's built a fence around the institution of marriage, which the Supreme Court says, not based upon sex or procreation or anything else, is the most important relation in life. And the citizens of California, within that one fence, because of their sexual orientation, are denied access to what every other citizen in California has that are enclosed within that other fence. That is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause, and it's a violation of the Due Process Clause. Uh, are we free, in view of the way the Supreme Court has told us, to decide constitutional issues, that the broadest should be avoided, the narrowest should be adopted? Uh, are we free to do anything other than decide the issue of whether California's repeal of an initiative uh, constitutes a violation? Uh, your closing speech would require a holding that any state that did not permit gay marriage would be in violation of the Constitution. Uh, there is a possibility, I think, in this case of saying that Proposition 8's withdrawal of the right of gay marriage from gays and lesbians uh, is unconstitutional under the circumstances that they enjoyed that right, that they are given every other aspect of marriage, and all that is taken away is the honorific designation. Uh, are we free to go beyond a holding, if we were to rule in your favor, a holding that the repeal of the right to marriage, uh, the right to use the label marriage and to receive a certificate that under those circumstances, it's a violation. Can we, in view of Plout and similar cases, go farther than that? I don't think, by the way, you mentioned that I was involved in that case. I don't think that case in any way should inhibit you from doing what I think is, is I think the answer to your question is that you could decide this on the narrow ground that the Romer case gives to you in, put in conjunction with in re marriage in, in the from the California Supreme Court. But I think this case is, I don't think there's anything in the United States Supreme Court um, jurisprudence, including the Proud case or anything else, that suggests that you can't look at the larger const or the constitutional question which that earlier question is subsumed within. What are the right, what has California done? California has taken a class of citizens and put them in a separate category, whether they had a different category before um, or not. And that that act of discrimination, there's no doubt that it is discrimination. And there's no doubt that it does great harm. The only question is, can it be justified on in, under any standard of constitutional analysis? And I submit that it cannot be justified under any standard of constitutional analysis because at the lowest standard, rational basis, you'd have to know what is rational. And all of the arguments that my opponent is making with respect to how valuable the institution of marriage is are not rational when it comes to the reason of uh, the question of, well, why did you draw that line? 
heterosexual people are different than homosexual people. Gays and lesbians are different than straight people, to use the vernacular. But that does not mean you can classify them, as to use Justice Kennedy's words in Romer, and then exclude them from this life of this part of society. So the, the, the rational basis analysis has to go to the justification for the exclusion. What goal is California trying to accomplish and what it has accomplished in Proposition 8, does it pursue those goals in a proper way? That's where the rational basis falls completely down. You might say left-handed people or colorblind people, you might make some distinctions, but if you're saying they can't participate in a right because of an immutable characteristic, you have not only a due process violation, but an equal protection violation, and ultimately, that's the decision I'd like to see this court issue. Thank you, Mr. Olson. Thank you. Ms. Stewart. Thank you. May it please the court. I want to focus on the circumstances in the context particular to California that show how singularly irrational Proposition 8 really is. First, and there are four things, but I, the first I want to talk about is that it, it imposes a special disability on gay people for reasons that California has disavowed and that it doesn't attempt to pursue in any other arena. California regulates child rearing and parentage separately from marriage, and Proposition 8 has nothing to do with trying to promote one family for raising children over another. Besides that, California laws that do govern parenting and child rearing provide in every way, they, the California law continues to recognize that same-sex couples and opposite-sex couples are the same for purposes of family and child rearing in every way that matters. As the California court, uh, Supreme Court held in Strauss, the Proposition 8 didn't change any of that. It didn't talk about children. It had nothing to do with the rights of gay people to form and, and raise families. Are we talking about a label here? We are talking about a label, Your Honor, but it's a very important label. It's, it's, it does have great meaning, and I think um, both sides of the table would stipulate to that, and I think the amount spent on this measure would, is, is testament to it. Um, and so that leads to my second point, which is the proposition. The, re the reason I ask that question is, uh, and it follows on a question that my colleague Judge Smith asked the other side, and that's this. Is a state which allows, as California apparently does, everything short of the label in a better position to enact a Proposition 8 than a state which allows none of it? Your Honor, I don't think it's in a better position or a worse position, but what I would say is this. I mean, we, we agree with plaintiffs, and, and we tried the case with them, that, that um, deny, tr treating same-sex couples differently in regard to family is unconstitutional across the board. But what happens here in California when you have the panoply of uh, parentage laws and family-related laws that treat couples exactly the same, that underscores the irrationality of the measure. And uh, here, How? what... How? Because uh, family law in California both recognizes that gay people do pre procreate, allows them to use assisted reproduction in the same way that heterosexual people do, treats their families the same way for establishing parentage. For example, when it figures out who are the parents of a child, 
uh, the sex and sexual orientation is irrelevant to the determination. It recognizes that both heterosexual people and sadly gay people as well can be irresponsible and walk away from their children. It doesn't matter how the child comes into the world. Parents do that all the time and the state's interest is exactly the same. But, but, but nonetheless, if the rational basis is that to do this in name only is to promote it simply as a vehicle for procreation, then it doesn't that survive the rational basis test? It does not, Your Honor, for two reasons. One, if, first of all, same-sex couples do procreate. They don't do it the old-fashioned way, to use terminology from one of our cases, but they do procreate. And, and so, there, and, and California doesn't discourage that in any way or say one is preferable over the other. But if you were to think that excluding same-sex couples would somehow um, encourage heterosexual couples to procreate in some different way or to be more responsible for their children, you have to assume that, that there's some reason that including gay people um, will, will make uh, heterosexual people less likely to carry out their parental duties. And the only way you can get there is to assume that somehow the association of gay men and lesbians with marriage taints the institution. And that is not a basis on which equal protection allows the state to enact laws. So I don't think it does work, Your Honor. It, it, it's not rational, and it, it, it is it, it, the only way it can be understood is saying um, there's something so wrong with gay people that they put a stain on marriage, and they'll make heterosexual people therefore avoid being married, and I, I just, equal protection doesn't allow that. So, so Proposition 8 regulates the title and the stature only, as the ballot pamphlet pointed out. And, you know, William Eskridge filed a brief on behalf of some law professors, and he said something that I think really says it better than I can, which is that the fact that Proposition 8 is largely symbolic and leaves rights in place while um, eliminating stature makes the insult that the measure visits on uh, lesbian and gay couples obvious. What, what Prop 8 really is doing is it, the state commanding that we call gay relationships different even as it treats them the same. And that's kind of the quintessential classification undertaken for its own sake. The third point is that Strauss held that the way that Proposition 8 did what it did was that it carved out an exception to the equal protection, privacy, and due process clauses of our state constitution. And that's pretty extraordinary. It made our equal protection clause in our state constitution unequal. And Romer tells us that with discrimination of an unusual character, you have to be especially careful to consider whether it's obnoxious to equal protection. Now, any of those features that I mentioned alone would make, I think, the court have to have pause in looking at Prop 8. But when you take them together, they leave Prop 8 inexplicable by anything other than animus towards the class. But here there's a fourth point, and that is that the court doesn't have to infer animus. The, the context of the measure itself and the campaign really demonstrate that the purpose of the campaign was to be sure that proponents avoided associating marriage with lesbian and gay couples because it would demean the institution. It was bias. The voters amended the Constitution, the state Constitution, to incorporate the measure after the California Supreme Court rejected it on state constitutional grounds. Why? Because it demeaned gay people. It treated them as second-class citizens. It relegated them to an inferior status. The voters, the campaign didn't say to the voters, well, gee, the court got that wrong. The campaign said to the voters, we have to put them in an inferior status because if we don't, Everybody won't, we need children and everybody else to recognize that, that, that same-sex couples are different 
They're not the same as opposite-sex couples, and they're not okay. And it portrayed uh, opposite-sex couples as traditional and ideal, and it portrayed gay couples as a lifestyle that should be kind of kept in private. And the campaign leaders, after the campaign, wrote an article in which they said they deliberately tapped into voters' limited tolerance for gay people. The campaign went about portraying gay Give people. Another 30 seconds, you're over. You uh, <clears throat> sure. voluntarily gave up some time. Let me just say, Your Honor, close with this. Proponents say that in order to affirm the district court, this court must find that the majority who voted for Proposition 8 are bigots, and that is not so. Prejudice, which Cleburne defined as the belief that one group is less worthy or less deserving than others, is not always born of hatred. It may, as Justice Kennedy said in Garrett, be the result of a simple want of careful rational reflection or an instinct to guard against people that we think are different from ourselves. Um, that sort of uh, intent was what was underneath Prop 8. It's plain from the face of it. It's plain from the campaign. And uh, equal protection doesn't allow the state to enact a measure based on a view that some people are unworthy. Thank you. Thank you, Council. Mr. Cooper. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, just a, a few moments, if you will, please indulge me. First, uh, Mr. Olson spoke of the Loving case at great length. Uh, but we know that if Mr. Loving had desired to marry Mr. Jeter, that the case would not have come out the same way. We know that with certainty, because Baker against Nelson rejected that very claim. And it rejected that claim on the heels of Loving, where the, the uh, gay couple who, who brought that 14th Amendment Loving claim relied on Loving uh, uh, very heavily. We also uh, uh, think that Mr. Olson is simply wrong when he suggests that the, the Baker case did not involve a classification, a claimed classification uh, based upon sexual orientation that was just gender. Here's what, uh, here's what the plaintiffs in Baker said. There is no justification, and, and this is throughout their jurisdictional statement, Your Honor, there is no justification in law for the discrimination against homosexuals. Appellants are being deprived of a basic right, the right to marry. As a result of this deprivation, they have been denied numerous benefits awarded by law to others similarly situated, dash, for example, childless heterosexual couples. This was clearly a case where they challenged uh, the classification as one based upon sexual orientation as well as one uh, based on gender. The, the Loving case would have been on all fours uh, and, and uh, and, and uh, would, have, would have come out, excuse me, the Baker case would have been on all fours with Loving if it were a fact that same-sex sexual relations produced children the same as opposite-sex sexual relations do. Then Mr. Uh, Olson would have a lay-down case. There would be no basis on which to draw a distinction, to, to identify a distinguishing characteristic with respect to any interest that the state has the authority to implement. There would, be, there would be no difference. And so the question is, does the state, does society have no interest in that distinguishing characteristic? We submit is to you. Is there a case that suggests that 
or is that good argument do you have a case to suggest that's the distinguished characteristic or is that good argument i think i think it's both your honor i guess i'd like the case the 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 case i am i am referring to is the garrett case which which sets forward the standard that i just quoted and it in terms in turn is quoting the cleburne case both of which applied rational basis review and upheld distinctions where they were drawn on distinguishing characteristics i would also uh offer to the court as well the johnson against robeson case where the court said when inclusion of one group promotes or addresses a state interest and the addition of others would not then the then the state is justified in acting upon uh, those differences and drawing that classification I, I i would i would like to also refer the court <clears throat> very quickly here well let me let me just uh, nothing's uh, been done very quickly here <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry said nothing's been done very quickly here but <laughs> and, the, and, and the court and, these and are, when you're in the red that doesn't mean you have that much time remaining <laughs> fair enough if the, if the court will just give me 30 <laughs> seconds because this is a, this is a, a point that that is clearly uh, very much on the mind of the court and that's the romer case i want to share this passage with you from romer Yet Amendment 2, in explicit terms, does more than repeal or rescind these provisions. It prohibits all legislative, executive, or judicial action at any level of state or local government designed to protect the named class, a class we shall refer to as homosexual persons. The point is that Amendment 2 was unprecedented, it was extraordinary, and whether it had repealed anything or not, standing essentially in its own shoes without regard to what it's, the history behind it was, it was unconstitutional. It would have been unconstitutional if it had it singled out and made a stranger to the law any class of persons. Again, Your Honor, thank you very much for your indulgence. Thank you very much. Thank all of you for a fascinating argument. Uh, the court will stand adjourned. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently for letting you, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not yes, we can. what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. 
It's about how hard you can take it and keep moving forward. How much you can take it and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. You wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts for Stitcher Smart Radio, Potable, and more. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making.